2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Well, I'm excited today to continue a series of sermons that I've entitled The Big Three. The Big Three. Let's look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning and verse number 4. Paul writes and he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Look at two words in that uh, verse. The words weapons and warfare. Weapons and warfare. We're talking about the big three. Father, we just pray your blessing, Lord, upon the message. Lord, upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears upon our heart to hear. God, may we not only be hearers, but Father, we just pray that you will help us to put into practice that which we receive today. Let your anointing rest heavily upon the message and upon the messenger today. All for the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. And just so that you will not fall asleep during the sermon this morning, reach over and pinch your neighbor really, really hard this morning. Well, maybe you need to wait till about halfway through. Then you get you have my uh, permission to do so, all right? Well, this past Sunday, as I already said, I began a series of sermons that I am calling the Big Three. It's a series of sermons on three of the most powerful weapons that God has given to you and to me to fight our battles with. And yes, my friends, we are all in a battle. It is a spiritual battle. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Paul says we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but he said we are fighting against the rulers, oh, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world. We are fighting, he says, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Problem is, too many Christians today are are losing the battle. Too many Christians are losing the battle. Too many Christians, I believe, are not even put, are not even putting up a fight. They are simply in survival mode. They are caught in, in a, in a ridiculous, vicious cycle. And the cycle goes something like this. They allow the devil, they allow the enemy of their soul to beat them up all week long. And somehow they find enough strength to stumble into church on Sunday morning. And there they expect the pastor and the worship team to doctor their wounds and prop them up and get get them back on their feet and get them going again. And and we do our best to do so. And so then we, we push them back out into the world. And there they get beat up by the devil again all week long. And somehow they stumble back into church again the next Sunday for a repeat performance. And, and this revolving door keeps going around and around and around and around. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. The good news is it doesn't have to be that way. The good news is it is not the will of God that it be that way. The good news is God has given us some powerful and incredible uh, weapons. And if we will become familiar with and we will begin to use the weapons that God has given to us to fight our battles with, life will get so much better for us. Well, in this short three-part series, we are looking at three of the many weapons. There are many, many powerful weapons that we have, but I've just chosen three of the many weapons that God has provided us to fight with. I'm calling them the big three. Well, if you were here last Sunday, you will remember that we talked about the weapon 
of the Word. The weapon of the Word of God. And what an incredible and powerful weapon the Word of God is. In fact, it was the weapon of choice for the Lord Jesus Christ. For when the devil came to him and the devil tempted him, he used the weapon of the Word to defeat the devil. Well, today we're going to talk about the weapon of prayer. The weapon of prayer. And perhaps there is, there is no greater weapon than the weapon of prayer. Because you see, all of heaven, with all of its unlimited resources and incredible powers, are made available to you and to me this morning through prayer. You say, Pastor, we've, we've heard a thousand sermons on prayer. Yeah, that's what we do at church. We preach about prayer. We sing about prayer. We read about prayer. The problem is nobody's praying. Somebody said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. That God, does, God doesn't do anything except as a response through prayer. So everything that God does... He does it because somebody prayed. Think about that this morning. Listen, friend, prayer moves God's hand in our direction. If you need God's hand upon your life, if you need God to wave his hand of blessing and favor over your life, let me tell you that prayer, prayer is the vehicle, amen, that that moves the hand of God in our direction. Prayer gets the attention of heaven. Psalm 65 and 2 says, Oh, the psalmist said, You are a God who hears our prayers. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 and 15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Friend, the longer that I serve God, the more I believe in the power of prayer. There has never been a time in all of my life and ministry when I have believed or relied upon, amen, the power of prayer like today. Now let me just be the first to tell you that God doesn't always answer my prayers the way I want Him to. And God doesn't always give me what I ask Him for. You say, well, pastor, if, if God doesn't always answer your prayer the way you want him to, and if God doesn't give you what you ask him for, what is the reason to pray? Listen, even though God doesn't always answer my prayer the way I want him to, and although he doesn't always give me what I ask him for, let me tell you what I've discovered. I have learned that I am the better because I prayed. That was pretty weak. You know, sometimes God changes the situation when we pray, and sometimes He changes the saint. Sometimes when I pray, God removes the obstacle. Oh, that's standing in my way. And sometimes He gives me the strength to endure and overcome the obstacle. No matter what the outcome, no matter what God's response is to my prayers, I am always made a better person. Because I prayed. Well, there are three things that I want to call your attention to today as we examine this weapon of prayer. So first of all, let's talk about the example. Let's talk about the example. Jesus was an example. Jesus was An example. Matthew 14 and 23 says, And when he, speaking of Jesus, when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain all by himself to pray. You know, most of us pastors do just the opposite. 
We lock ourselves up in our office and try and figure and configure how we can draw the multitude. Jesus drew the multitude, but he sent them away so he could all by himself and pray. Luke 9 and 28, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to pray. Matthew 6 and 36, Jesus said to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, you sit here, boys, while I go over there and pray. Then I want to call your attention, focus on Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke 11 and 1 says that it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, you may have read that a million times. It didn't speak to you, but... But it's very, very interesting to me that out of all the things that Jesus did in his ministry, the one thing that made the greatest impression on his disciples must have been the prayer life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about it for a moment. Just just take a, a moment and think about it today. That there is only one thing that is recorded in Scripture that his disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Out of all of the things that Jesus did in his life and in his ministry, there was only one thing that, that, that so impressed the disciples that they said, wow, we got to learn how to do that. Lord, teach us to pray. Think about it. Think about it. Unless I've overlooked it, and you can point that out to me uh, afterwards, but let me preach my sermon first because that would kind of mess it up, but... But but, but think about it this morning. They they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to teach. Lord, you are the greatest teacher ever. Lord, you're such a great teacher that, Lord, you can hold the attention of an audience all day long. You are so interesting to listen to, Lord, that that, that, that one time 5,000 families listened to you the entire day and they didn't even take a lunch break. Oh, there was even one little boy there that day that was was so enamored with your teaching, Lord, that, that he sat there all day long with his lunch on his lap all day long and didn't even take one bite. Lord, teach us to teach. No, they didn't ask the Lord to teach them to teach. And and notice they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to cast out devils. That really draws a crowd, Lord. How that really wows the people, Lord. How we can really use that ability, Lord. Teach us how to cast out those devils. No, and ask him how to, to teach him how to cast out devils. And notice they didn't say, Jesus, Jesus, if you could just teach us how to do miracles. Oh, oh teach us how to do miracles. Miracles, man, they're really, really cool, Lord. I mean, they're really cool. 
Oh, oh, I can just imagine. Oh, one of them could have said, well, you know, you know, Lord, I loved it when you turned that water into wine at the marriage feast. Oh, I, I, can just, I can just hear Peter say, Lord, Lord, you should have seen the look on Downing Thomas's face. Oh, Lord, he had whispered to me, it will never happen. And Lord, the time you multiplied the five loaves and the two fish, oh, into all you can eat fish and chips buffet. Wow, wow, that was really bad. Lord, teach us how to do that, Lord. Oh, there's no doubt that there had to be many, many things about the ministry of Jesus that impressed the disciples. But oh, the one thing that most uh, impressed them out of everything else had to have been his prayer life. This was the only thing that they asked him to teach them. Lord, they said, teach us to pray. Let me pause for a moment and ask you a question this morning. Are you setting an example in prayer? Are you setting an example in prayer? Would anyone ever ask you, teach me how to pray? Is there something about you that makes people think he or she must be, they must be a man or a woman of prayer? Because you see, there's just something different about praying people. Oh, there is a fragrance, there is an aroma. Oh, there is a different atmosphere that accompanies the man or the woman of God that are people of prayer. Acts 4 and 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, oh, they could tell, they could tell they had been with Jesus. I ask you this morning, oh, oh, can people tell that you have been with Jesus? How about it, mom and dad? Can your children tell, oh, that you spend time alone with the Lord Jesus Christ? How about it, ministry leader? How about it, worship team? How about it, pastor and staff? Oh, listen, friend. Listen, pastor and staff. Did you know that we are only as powerful in public as our prayers are in private? And let me challenge all of us in public ministry. Worship team, worship team, hear me this morning. Worship team, you, you need to do as much praying as you do practicing. You need to be just, uh, you, you don't need to just be technically tuned. You need to be spiritually tuned as well. And the same is true for the pastor. Oh, I need to spend as much time praying over my sermons as I do preparing them. And unlike some pastors, I spend hours preparing and getting ready to speak. But I need to spend as much time praying over my preaching and my, over my message as I do preparing. I'm talking about the example right now. Jesus was an example. He was such a tremendous example that out of all of the incredible attributes of his ministry, his prayer life was the thing most coveted by his disciples. Lord, teach us how to pray. Not only was Jesus an example Let me suggest Jesus gave 
an example. He gave an example. The disciples asked for a lesson in prayer, so Jesus gave them an example or lesson in prayer. It's recorded in Matthew 6. We've talked about it before, so I'll just highlight it and and keep moving this morning. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Look at verse 9 again. Jesus said, in this manner. Say, in this manner. Jesus said, in this manner. Or Jesus said, here's a pattern or an example. See, we think the Lord's Prayer is just something we're to do at a, you know, we used to do it at a ball game or places, you know, when we used to have a Christian nation we used to live in, remember? Or we did it at school when we were kids growing up, remember? Those of you who can remember when we lived in a Christian nation, remember? And we, we, we thought that was the prayer, our Father who art. That's not really a prayer, that is a pattern. That's a pattern. Yeah, it, it, it works as a prayer, and it works real good in a corporate setting, whatever. It is a prayer, but it's really more than a prayer. It's really a pattern. It's a pattern. Jesus said, in this manner, or use this example, or use this method in, in praying. And Jesus said, pray. Begin your prayer, he said. He said, begin it with praise. He said, pray, our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Now, to hallow means to recognize as holy. It means to reverence. It means to revere. It means to honor. It means to worship. Did you know that there are beings that surround the throne of God 24-7 and their entire existence is consumed with praising God? Their total purpose is to hallow or honor or worship or praise Almighty God. They never take a break. They never stop. They never rest ever, ever, ever. Revelation 4 verses 6 through 8. Around the throne are four living creatures. And they do not rest neither day nor night crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And over and over and over and day in and day out and day and night. Never stopping, never resting, continuing. Continually hallowing the Lord. Friend, when you have your prayer time, begin with praise. Tell God how much you love Him. Oh, begin to thank Him for who He is. And then begin to thank Him for what He has done. Oh, what has He done? Well, He has saved you. He's provided for you. He's protected you. He's prepared a place for you in heaven. Oh, thank Him for health and healing. Thank Him for strength. Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for your job. Thank Him for your food. Thank Him for your house. Thank Him for joy and peace. Thank Him for His Word. Amen. Just go and listen one by one by one. The old hymn of the church said, Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So when you have your time of prayer with God, begin by prayer, by praise. Begin by hallowing, glorifying, magnifying, just loving on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then when you're done with that, and you're never done with that, but then, then move on. The second part, Jesus said, you need to move from praise into petition. 
Move from praise into petition. Verse 10. Oh, and verse 11. Oh, Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done. Oh, pray on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What he was really saying was, oh God, give us day by day our daily provision. You say, pastor, what do we have need of? Well, every day we have need of food. We have need of shelter. We have need of transportation. You say, pastor, what do I have the right oh, to ask God for? Listen, you have the right to ask God for anything and everything that you need or want. Now, I'm not saying that God is like some Santa Claus in the sky, but He is our Heavenly Father. And as God's child, we have the right to ask for anything and everything we need or want. That's our right as God's child. But as God, our Father, He's got some rights too. Our right as a child is to ask for anything and everything that we need or want. His right as our Father is to decide what He gives us. We forget that. The parent knows more than the child, or at least they did when I was raising mine. I don't know about today, but... The child says, I want an ice cream, I want an ice cream, I want an ice cream. The parent says, but a carrot stick is better for you. Nothing wrong with an ice cream in the right time and appropriately and just a little bit of it. Write this down this morning. What God gives to us is what we would ask Him for if we had enough wisdom to understand what what to ask for. I said what God actually gives to us is what we would actually have asked Him for if we had enough wisdom to understand what we ought to be asking for. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Once you have spent time praising Him, then begin to petition or ask Him for the things that you need or want. But once you get to the end of your wish list, listen to me, listen to me. Once you get to the end of your wish list, and there's nothing wrong with a wish list, but once you get to the end of your wish list, add this. Jesus said, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I've just given you my wish list here. I've made my list and I'm checking it twice. I've given you my wish list. I've told you what I want, what I think I need. Here's what I want. Here's the way I want you to answer. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to respond. Here I've laid it all. God, it's just so easy. I've just laid it all out for you. But say, God, if I'm being foolish... In my request, please don't give me what I ask you for. Rather, give me what you know is best for me. Amen? Your will be done. God, here's my will, and I've got one. (laughs) I've got one. Here it is. I'm going to lay it out for you. But God, not my will. Your will. Somebody said, Pastor gets everything he wants. No, I don't. I don't. I get what he wants. And God's my witness. They can strike me dead right now and I'll move back so it doesn't get any of you. I don't get what I want. Because every day I pray, your will be done. Your will. Not my God, this is what I want. God, I, man, God, that Albertson's building, that's what I want. God, I see that. Oh, I can see that. I got that vision. I can see it. God, 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 I see it. That's what I want. That's what I want. 
But God, if there's some reason why it's not ours, God being my witness every day, God, your will, not mine. Amen. God, I, man, I can see us kind of dividing this property up and I can see us getting out from under that, the load of all those taxes and all that work, cleaning this place up and all that kind of stuff and I can see us moving next door and I can see us redesigning, putting everything under one roof instead of one building and two additions. I can see all that, God, and that's what I want to do now. I didn't get that. No, that's what I want, God. But God, not my will. Not what I want. Your will Amen. be done. God, I, oh, the grace place, God, I, man, I love that. I, it's got a wonderful ring to it. And wow, what could, it, what could our church be if we really actually turned into the grace place? And God, I really want that. I like that. I, man, I think it's cool. I think it sounds good. I, I like all about it. And, but God, not my will. That's what I want but I'm not going to push it and drive it and stomp my foot and twist arms and and manipulate and make it happen and I can do it. I'm pretty powerful. I'm not going to do that. I am not. I'm not. Because one day I have to stand before God and give an answer to everything I've done. And so I say, God, this is the way I see it and this is the way I want it and this is my desire and, and this is my wish list, but God, not my will. Your will. Your will. Amen? Amen? God, don't give me what I want. Give me what you know is best. And then he said, once you've done that, then move on to penitence. Penitence, that's, that's repentance. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Spend some time repenting. Repenting over bad attitudes. Repenting over improper motives. Repenting about losing your temper. Repenting about lying to the police officer. Are you in an emergency? Yeah. No, you weren't. <laughs> Pray, repent over any known sin in your life at the moment. And then be bold enough to ask God to show you sin in your life that you might not even be aware of. Maybe it's jealousy. Jealousy's in your heart. Your sinner neighbor gets a new car and yours was just repossessed. Maybe it's bitterness. You just can't seem to get over something that happened to you in the past. Maybe it's prejudice. Oh, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Whatever that the case might be. Notice the little word as. In verse 12, forgive us our sins as. As what? As we forgive those that sin against us. Jesus said, pray, Lord, forgive me like I forgive Mark. Forgive me like I forgive Raphael. Forgive me like I forgive my wife. Wow. I better be a forgiving person, hadn't I? Jesus said, pray, forgive us our sins or our debts or our trespasses as or according as to the way we forgive uh, those that trespass against us. Amen. Thank you for being a good deacon there. He's deacon right now. Amen. Amen. Did you know that if you don't forgive others, God cannot or will not forgive you? 
And then, and then he says, move on in your prayer and pray for protection. Pray for protection. Oh, oh, verse number, number 13. Oh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh, listen, according to John 10 and 10. Oh, the, the devil's mission statement is to kill and to steal and to destroy. Oh, the Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want to tell you, friend, that the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy the life of your friends and the life of your family. But I'm telling you this morning through prayer we can have the protection of God over our life. Satan couldn't get to Job because God had placed a hedge of protection around him. It was only when God let down the hedge only then for a season could the devil touch Job. Remember in the Old Testament when all the firstborn male babies were destroyed, but the only ones that were saved were those who their parents had placed blood over the doorpost of their house. Amen. A type and shadow of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that would be cleansed for us and bring protection for us on the cross. Let me tell you, friend, I try to never let a day go by. I do, I'm human, but hardly ever does a day go by that I do not pray a hedge of protection around my family. Daily I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ around me and around mine. You see, as the prophet and the priest of my home and my family, I take my responsibility as the prophet and the priest of my family. I take it very, very seriously. So daily I ask God to protect my health. I ask God to protect my finances. I ask God to protect my reputation. I ask God daily to protect my wife and my kids and my grandchildren. I ask God daily to protect all my church and my ministry. Oh, I ask God to protect my deacons. I name them every day. I name them and their wives name by name every single day. Staff member every single day. I bring their name out in prayer and I pray a hedge of protection. I plead the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I bring you as the people of God. You as the members of New Bethel. I can't, I can't name 450 people, but as a whole I bring New Bethel under prayer. And every single day I pray a prayer, a hedge of protection, I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why has things gone so well in the last nine years? It's because the man of God, not just because, but one of the reasons is because the man of God loves you, cares for you, amen, has your best interest, his heart, amen, has a heart for God and a heart for you, a man of God that prays for you every day and lifts you up and covers you in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not taking credit for every. I'm just saying that's one of the great, one of the reasons. The glory goes to God, not to me. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. Glory goes to God. Amen. And then he said, finish your prayer by returning to praise. Uh, he said, begin your prayer time with praise and end it with praise. Verse 13, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's 30 minutes and that's point one. Don't worry, point two and point three will be much quicker. Three things quickly about this weapon called prayer. We've talked about the example. Now let's talk about the exchange. The exchange, Isaiah 28 and 23. God says, give ear and hear. Say hear. God says, hear my voice. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Revelation 2 and 7 says, if you have an ear, hear what the Spirit has to say. 
You see, prayer is conversation with God. And conversation requires listening as well as talking. You know, nobody likes to talk to somebody who insists on doing all the talking. Amen? There's people that I just, I've just given up talking to them. I just listen because they won't. I mean, I, I start to say something as a response. Before I can even respond, they're off. So I just listen. Did you know that as long as you're doing all the talking, you cannot learn anything? Because, see, when you're talking, you're just talking what you, well, some of you talk stuff you don't know. You think you know, but you don't. We talk out of what we know, right? So the only way to get something we don't know is to listen. And I'm not talking about gossip. Amen? Hey, maybe that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Just saying. You say, Pastor, how does God talk to us? Well, most of the time, God speaks to us out of his word. Most of the time, today, God speaks to us out of his word. So, so when we pray, we need to pray and we need to read the word too. And we need to, when we pray, ask God to speak to us through his word. Now, God often also uses the pastor's sermons or the teacher's lesson to speak to us. So when you come to church, try and stay awake. When you come to church, listen. Come with your ears wide open. And God can also use a godly saint to speak into our lives. Well, here's what I do know. When we sincerely ask God to speak to us, and then we sincerely and very carefully listen for His voice, God will speak to us. And hear this very, very clearly this morning. Hear me. Hear me. So often, so often we pray and say, okay, the pastor said I'm supposed to listen, so, so we do our prayer, we do our thing, we've done, done what we're going to do, and so then, so then we stay on our knees or we sit down or whatever, we listen. We sit there and we listen. Not very many people do this, by the way, but, but we listen because pastor said that we're supposed to listen as well as hear. And we don't hear anything. We don't hear anything. We don't, well, God didn't speak to me. God's not going to answer my prayer. Well, you know what? Often, if we'll get quiet enough with God and can actually concentrate and open our spiritual ears, God will talk to us right there. But more often than not, Pastor Houston, I've discovered that God doesn't talk to me right there. He does, but, not, but most of the time he doesn't. It's when I leave my prayer time and then maybe I go to church. I go to church and the pastor preaches and his words speak to me. God has just spoken to me. I go to my class and the teacher teaches. God speaks to me. Amen? Amen. Or the next day I'm reading my devotional or I'm reading my Bible. and There it is. Yeah, God can speak right then and there and he often does, but he doesn't always. So don't think that just because God hasn't spoken to you right then and there that he's not going to speak to you because God will. If you'll keep your eyes and your ears open... God, will, he will speak to you. He may use the pastor. He might use the pastor's wife. He might use a, a leader in the church. He might use a teaching. He might use a, a message. Amen? Amen? And then let's look at the third thing this morning. One more thing and then we're done. And that is the expectation. The expectation. See, prayer without faith is futile. Prayer without faith is futile. James 1 and 6 says to ask in faith. Say in faith. 
The Bible says in James 1, 6 and 7, Ask in faith with no doubting. Oh, James said, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Don't let that man think he's going to get anything from God. Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus said, Whoever will say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. Say believe. Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Somebody said it like this, believe and receive or doubt and do without. Well, I could do an entire series on faith, but let me just give you a quick acrostic of the word faith instead, and then we're done this morning. With the letter F in faith, I'm using the word focused. Focused. Our faith, friends, should be focused. Our faith should not be focused on faith. See, we came through the faith movement a few years ago and we were so wrapped up in the, in the confession and saying it just right and the formulas and, and all of that that we got, we got faith in faith. It's not faith in faith. It's not a faith formula. It's not if I can say it right. It's not if I can do everything right. Amen. Our faith must be focused. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in the Father. You can have gigantic faith in faith and nothing will happen. You can have faith the size of a mustard seed. But if your faith, amen, is focused, amen, on the Father, amen, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And it will happen, the Bible says. Well, for the letter A in the word faith, I'm using the word aimed. Give your faith a target. Aim your faith at a specific target. Somebody said if you... He who aims at nothing never misses. For the I in the word faith, I'm using the word increased. Increased. Faith has the potential to grow. The Bible says faith cometh. Well, how, how does faith come? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So feed your faith the word of God. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. And then for the T in the letter, faith, it ought to be talked. Jesus said, whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Speak to your mountain. Speak to your giant. David did. David did. He spoke to his mountain, which was a ten-foot giant named Goliath. Faith should be talked. Become a person of faith. Don't be a one-hit wonder. Practice your faith. Speak words of faith. Become a person of faith. Prayer without faith is futile. If we get the worship team back in place this morning. So there you have it this morning. Sermon number two in a series. I'm calling the big three. Oh friend, God has given us some incredible weapons in order to fight our battles with. Friend, if you are losing the battle, if you are losing the battle, I have to wonder, are you familiar with and are you effectively using the weapons God has given to you to fight with? Are you one that just lets the devil beat up on you? All week long. Your strategy is that of Muhammad Ali when he did the rope-a-dope where he just covered himself up and let his opponent 
beat on him and beat on him and beat on him, hoping he would eventually wear down and then he could have one little flurry of sting like a butterfly, whatever, whatever, sting like a bee, whatever, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, whatever he did. Some of you are saying, who? No, that'll be the second service. I won't use it in the second service. tired of stumbling in here on Sunday morning hoping that the the pastor can prop you up one more time. He can put a little oil and wine uh, in your wounds. He can bandage you up. He can be be like that trainer in the corner of that fighter that comes over there and he's all beat up but that trainer's got 30 seconds to get him back up in shape and get him ready and get him ready and then throw him back out into the ring. I don't know about you but I'm tired. I'm tired of having to pour in the oil and the wine every Sunday. Amen. It's not that I can't. It's not that I won't. It's not. It's because I know that you don't have to be beat up all week long. I don't have to prop you up every Sunday and then throw you back out to the devil. I'm telling you this morning that God has given us some weapons. Amen. He's given us some mighty weapons that we can fight the enemy of our soul with. And not only can we fight the battle, but we can become victors in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand in His house and give Him praise today. Amen. Give Him a shout of praise in this house. some weapons in my house. I got two 20 gauge shotguns. I got an old pistol with those shells. I got some golf clubs in the garage. I haven't fired one of those shotguns. Those shells still be good or not, Johnny? What do they might blow up right in that gun? I better not shoot them at. I better get some new shells. I'll tell you something. Now. I will tell you. I'm not a violent person. I'm not. Somebody came through my door. Grab one of them guns. I'll be like Barney Five. Get that bullet out of my pocket. I might not even have time to put a shell in. They don't know I don't have a shell in. They don't know I hadn't fired that thing in 20-something years. I'd pull it out. Bless your heart, I would. I'd pull the trigger. I would. If I'd get my wife, I don't have any flat screen they can get. They, they, my, my house been broken into twice. They leave real quick. They're so disappointed. You think they'd pass it on to their, their thief uh, buddies, you know. Don't go to that house. They, they don't have anything. guys, how many of you, somebody broke in your house, you wouldn't think twice to shoot somebody? Huh? Would you protect you? Would you protect yourself? Would you protect your wife? Would you protect your, if you wouldn't, you don't deserve them. So if we would take a 20 gauge and blow a hole in somebody that tried to come in and 
mess with our life. We're messed with our stuff. We are so, so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that God has given us the incredible spiritual weapons, and yet we just, we're just passive. And we just, you know, we'll just, come on, devil, just beat me up. We'll just beat me up. No, no, no. It's time we pick up, amen, the weapons of the Word of God, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of praise. Amen. We started doing battle. Amen. The enemy of our soul has come in. Amen. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. He's come to take your stuff tonight. Are you going to let him take your stuff? Are you going to let him take your peace? Are you going to let him take your joy? Are you going to let him take your family? Or are you going to be a man and stand up and fight? Start fighting right now. Start fighting right now. Pray. Come on. Start fighting right now. Start praying ahead to protection. Start pleading the blood of Jesus over your wife, your husband, your kids, your grandkids, your house, your business, your car, your stuff, and then your joy, your peace, and then your relationships. And then start praying the blood. Start praying ahead. Start praying ahead. A protection over you.
just thank you for weapons of warfare. We thank you, God, that you don't just leave us hanging, but God, you give us weapons to fight against the enemy. You give us weapons to come alongside of you and fulfill your mission here on this earth. And I thank you for an amazing word, an amazing service. And Father, I just pray that we would go out and do what the word of God says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.